0: You cannot avoid the interplay of politics within an orthodox religion. This power struggle permeates the training, educating, and the disciplining of the orthodox community. Because of this pressure, the leaders of such a community inevitably must face that ultimate internal question. To succumb to complete opportunism as the price of maintaining their rule, or risk sacrificing themselves for the sake of the orthodox ethic. From... Muhadib, The Religious Issues, by the Princess Errolang. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, like Evan Diaz over here, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read The Sandiest Dune ever yes we are are we doing dramatic voices this episode is that I we're d- I, yeah i feel like this is just, it's just dramatic episode this is like this is the sand Rider episode man like yes. we are writing the freaking maker
1: let's do it let's oh. do it sorry yeah. i need more drama in my voice
0: uh, yes <laughs> oh my gosh all right so Here it is. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, evidently, sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, like we say, please, one, go follow us on Twitter, Reading Dune. Two, email us your favorite parts of Reading Dune. So in between, we're doing a double header episode right right now if you're watching live. What's up? If you're just listening to this on the podcast, what's up? We're just happy to have you here. Thank you very much. Um, So if you could, yeah, email us your favorite moments from Dune. I just got an email in between... Our little like five minute break in between episodes here, and it is from Jacob Lindsay. He says, Hey guys, I have want to weigh in on my favorite part of Dune so far. I, Let's pretty, go. Mu- I pretty much love every Harkonnen chapter. What? <laughs> the opposite of Evan over here. Especially when the Baron catches the needle put in the boy's thigh by fade it shows the total power and fear can do to a person in an empire it's a great duality from the noble righteous atreides which i mean we can obviously say yes that's it does show a stark contrast and even frank herbert says um this is caleb talking here like the baron is just bad yeah there is none there's no good redeeming quality in the baron he is just bad and we 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 want to show who the bad guy is and make it very clear who are the good guys and who are the bad guys we want to do that why because spoilers i can't say why he also uh let's just say here jacob says uh i also want to ask where you're from you pronounce a lot of things differently than i do (laughs) which we know that i do i'm a california boy who I got that nice Hollywood California accent and I white accent too. Um, so I'm definitely gonna miss some things. Caleb Mystery. sounds
1: like every American person in any movie ever, you know? Yeah. Just right. Vanilla. Just the American accent.
0: My name is Caleb Pauls. Yep, that's about it. So <laughs> he says, since the big one is uh Muadib. He goes. You go, muhadib, and I do. I do that. He goes. I go, muadib. Muadib. Does that make Wadib. sense? And again, that's what like the movie does. That's what the audio book does. I try to listen to the audio book beforehand so I can really get the pronunciations down. But it's still just my Americanness just slips out sometimes. Right. Here's the reality, everyone. <laughs> Caleb doesn't speak Arabic. He is
1: not well versed in Arabic <laughs> pronunciation. So like sometimes he skips a couple letters in a word and that's just that's just how it is i'm i'm not experienced with, i don't know how to speak arabic and,
0: and 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 full um disclosure here i've only read the series through once i read dune maybe four or five times but i i mean i had the idea to do this podcast i was like no we can do it we just and so we just jumped into it yeah. we did i did i did some research i you know went to the encyclopedia but still i'm I'm just, I'm a new guy like you guys. Jacob says, either way, I enjoy your cast. I read Dune 15 years ago, and every year or two, I read through all of the books in chronological order. It's a long series, but I love it. So, yeah, Jacob oh, is God. definitely more versed than I am.
1: He knows the stuff. I mean, he's, uh, he likes Harkonnen uh, chapters, which is a weird flex, weird vibe coming from Jacob. But, hey, <laughs> thanks for thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. <laughs> Even though I'm sketched out about your love for
0: Harkonnen chapters. Automatically just sketch. But you know what? Stay, stay spicy and thank <laughs> you so much.
1: Maybe not that spicy, but that's fine. Hey.
0: Okay. So you know what chapter we got right now, Evan? The, the, the Sand Rider chapter. Yeah. So give me, see if you can give me a brief overview of the last time we were with Paul. Ready and go. Last time on Arrakis, uh, Paul was
1: in the desert, woke up in the tent, and Chani was there. Actually, he woke up in like 12 different places at once, but it turns out he was actually in a tent in the desert. That's what we narrowed down. Uh, and him and Chani have their little flirty, flirty moment. Real cute. And then it gets tense and it's like, all right, time to ride the worm. And they get all prepared. And by the end of the chapter, Paul is standing there watching the biggest (laughs) worm I think anyone has ever seen anywhere ever barreling towards him. And he's like, all right, cool. I got to do this now. So let's go. Chapter ends. That's
0: where we left, Paul. All right. Blum, 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 blum. Lump, lump 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 goes the thumper mm. paul waits on the sand just outside the gigantic maker's line of approach he is completely still as if he is a dune himself cool the spice odor dominates the air probably coming from the like and again, there's a, probably a sand or a spice patch nearby, but it's probably coming from the worm itself. The giant furnace of the mouth is just the smell of spice just coming out of it, getting heavier and heavier right. and heavier.
1: Which, right there, you can't blame me for
0: thinking that spice was worm poop, okay? No, no. that that's uh, a lot of people still think that out there. <laughs> it's a common misconception worm poop. <laughs> The hissing sound between the friction between the worm and the sand was becoming deafening. Paul could see the great teeth within the cavern circle of its mouth spread wide like an enormous flower. Oh, cute. I just want to stop and just look at the imagery here of like, he uses like flowery language to describe this beast of a thing coming towards him. Well, he also says it's like a giant cave full of teeth. <laughs> also that. <laughs> like a flower. Like a Venus flytrap or something. <laughs> As the monster approached, Stilgar's voice was echoing in Paul's head from the hours of training they'd spent on the sand. How far must you stand outside the maker's path? Half a meter for every meter of the maker's diameter to avoid the vortex of its passage. That way, you still have time to run in and mount it. In Paul's training, Stilgar, they had rode small worms, the ones they bred for the water of life. But this worm, this worm approaching, was an old man of the desert. This was Shah Halud. The hissing had now drowned out the sound of the thumper. Paul was breathing deep measured breaths, right? Like his been a training is kicked into high gear. He's probably said the litany of fear at least four times at this point in time. Just <sighs> the cresting front segments through a sand wave towards Paul that swept across his knees. Paul's thinking, come up. You lovely monster up. You hear me calling. Come up, come up. The I just sand. want to point out that at this point, I was
1: still not convinced that Paul wasn't about to just get eaten by this worm. You know, I was still like, oh, it's coming. This whole book is going to take a shift.
0: The rest of the book is just appendixes. It ends right here. (laughs) The sand wave lifted Paul up. He steadied himself. His now entire view was dominated by a sand. That was clouding a curving wall in front of him, the segmented cliff-like rings that were sharply defined. It's nothing just a wall of worm in front of him. Paul lift, lifts up his hooks, waits for a ring, leans into it. He feels the hooks bite down and pull. So at this, so he's got him. He's got him in, right in front of him, like probably like standing there. So he then jumps upward and plants his feet along the wall he leans backwards so the barbs of the hooks would then dig into the ring segment so he's going along the 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 big wall of worm and then there's little paul here just just uh perpendicular right there just pulling on these hooks like a parkour guy on a yeah. wall. yeah this this was the test if he'd done this right correctly planted hooks at the leading edge of a ring segment would open it up. It would crack it open and the worm would not roll down and crush him. So that's good. There's like multiple ways you can die here, but the worm slowed it rolled over the thumper silencing it. And then slowly, so he's still just holding there. It starts to roll up, bringing the maker hooks up, bringing Paul slowly up to the top away from the sand. Paul felt like the emperor of the world in this moment. He is riding the biggest worm known to exist, and he is just feeling everything, all the feels. He then suddenly suppressed the urge to show off because what 18-year-old wouldn't want to show off (laughs) at this point in time? And then he remembers Dilgar's advice against doing stupid things because many young men died playing with these monsters trying to do something stupid like doing handstands without having your barbs in or trying to dance around it and you know falling off and getting smushed or you know a whole thing so leaving a single hook in place paul released one planted it lower down on the side when the second hook was firm and tested he brought down the first hook thus working his way down the maker rolls. Yes, Evan, you have your hand up. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh so what it, what are you picturing
0: the hooks
1: looking like? Because they just it's very nondescript. They just say hooks. He put his hook into, you know? Like you're picturing like big meat hooks. I'm or... thinking
0: like an ice pick, but long like longer. In my okay. head, that's what happens. You're okay. trying to because the purpose of it is you're trying you want to get underneath a ring like you have to like slide in under and then you rip it up because you want to because the thing is is the worm doesn't want sand to get into that fleshy part right right See? and so when it does that it's going to roll it away the exposed area. So you're trying to expose the worm's fleshy part
1: okay i was picturing kind of like a like a like a grappling hook type thing, like a like a retractable, like you throw it and it like on like a chain, very like anime superhero comic book vibe, you know, like you throw it over there, and then you throw the other one up around, and then you you know um, because that's because like I'm picturing them finally on top of the worm, just holding like these two big yeah you know and like they're they're riding they're driving the worm you know that's that's what i was picturing i I don't i don't know
0: i think the important part to remember is like how paul mounts it right so he has to it has there has to be enough friction and leverage for him to stand like erect against the worm like perpendicular to it so he makes a right angle to like enough leverage as he's pulling down on these hooks while still having his feet planted against the worm, so he rolls up. Gotcha. I mean, I'm interested yeah. to see what the movie does,
1: and like what they look like in the movie. But I guess that wouldn't be until the second movie.
0: Lord, Lord, we don't know. We do, I do know that. We, I do know that the uh, the 1984 Dune movie does show this scene. Because it's a pretty important scene. It's got to okay. be, it's, it's exciting. Don't tell uh, me what they look like in the old no, ones. No, but I definitely a good Google search will show you like 15 different artistic examples. This is one of those features. The maker hooks are always extravagant. They can be so many different things. So right. yeah, it's again, left up the imagination a lot. Gotcha. All right. So in order to roll all these things, it, that same mechanism works. You want to expose the ring flesh and then if you can keep doing that, you can roll it and turn it a certain way. Right. So Paul starts doing this. And so the maker is rolling and rolling until it came around where the others were. So he likes, he's like driving it this way. Yeah. And then Paul saw them mount the worm and they climb up using their hooks to climb, but they did so without digging into the worm. So there's an, there's, there's two ways to kind of climb this thing. Um, Cause they're not worried about him being crushed because the rings were already exposed. But if you were exposed them again, they would just be awkward. So they're climbing up without digging into the worm. So it probably has like, it's like an ice pick, but there's probably other parts that you would use on it. I don't know. Maybe. Cool. Cool. So now everyone is on the worm and there are three lines behind them. All of them now steadying against their hooks, their hooks are in. So it stays up. Stilgar moves up the ranks and comes to Paul. He checks Paul's hooks and glanced up at Paul's beaming, smiling face. He's just nothing but pearly whites at this point. Look what I did. I did it. We did it. I did it, Dad. You did it, huh? Stilgar asked, raising his voice above the hiss of the moving worm. That's what you think. You think you did it. Stilgar straightened. Making his shoulders broad, standing up. Now I tell you, that was a very sloppy job. We have 12 year olds who do it better. There was drum sand on your left where you waited. You could not have turned that way if the worm turned towards you. The smile drops from Paul's face. Come on, man. I did the thing then. Oh, come on. Gosh. Then Stilgar says, why didn't you call for a second? Paul just swallows. You think this is harsh, but this is my duty. I think of all your worst to the tribe. If you were to stumble on the drum stand, the maker would have turned towards you. Paul was angry, but he knew Stilgar was right. It took him a long minute and the full effort of his Bene Jesuit training to recapture that feeling of calm. Like this boy was pissed. Like, probably more pissed and more emotional than when the worm was coming towards him. Right. (laughs) I apologize, he said. It will not happen again. In a tight situation, Stilgar said. Always leave yourself a second. Remember, we work together. That way, we're certain we work together. Stilgar then slaps Paul's shoulder in that good old dad way. We work together, Paul agreed. Now Stilgar said, his voice still harsh, "Show me now how to handle a maker. Which side are we on?" Paul glances down. So every worm has a top and a bottom to it naturally. The bottom scales grew thicker, harder, and smoother. This is the one that they would they need. They need to be longer, smoother because they're on the sand more, and the top scales are smaller. So the Paul repositioned his hooks to the left. He motioned to two steersmen out of line to get in positions ahead. He called out in the traditional call, and then slowly, in a majestic circle, the maker turned to protect its opening segment. When the maker had turned to the south, Paul cried out again. And the steersman released the hooks and made the worm straighten out. Mm. Now it's going south. Very good, Paul Muhadib, Stilgar said. With plenty of practice, you'll yet become a sand rider. Rude. Paul frowned. <laughs> I would too. Stilgar's being rude right now. What
1: do you mean I'm not a f- sand rider yet? Like, come on. What's happening? Right. I'm riding the biggest worm you've ever seen. Anyone here's ever seen. Get off my
0: back. And then, right. So remember in uh, in the after after- Paul killed Jameis and we were a friend of Jameis. Um, Stilgar was like <clears throat> talking down to him, just like Jessica was like in this moment, he's almost kind of doing that same thing again because he knows what's about to happen. Stilgar knows what's about to happen. He's been a Fremen much longer because behind Paul, you could hear the others laughing and then the troops begin to chant his name to the sky. Moo hot deep. Moo hot deep. Move hot deep. Moo hot, hot deep. When anybody chants your name, you just, that's just a good feeling. Dude, for real. Yeah. Paul could hear way back the, the rear of the worm. They, were, they have goaders. So they would pound the tail segment to make it go faster. And they're probably probably—they're probably doing it to the rhythm, moo hot deep, moo <laughs> hot deep, moo hot deep. Uh, he's like, yeah, buddy. And then he's scanning the back and he sees Johnny's face, his woman among them. He locked eyes with her. But he was still talking to Stilgar. He says, then I'm a stand writer still. Hagam, you are a stand writer this day.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. First of all, I just had a funny thought of uh, when Paul turns to look at Chani. Uh, you know, in Nacho Libre, the very last scene <laughs> they're like at some like abandoned ruin thing and Nacho turns around like yes, just to make that moment a little funnier
0: yes all right so um if you listening on the podcast uh, <laughs> I don't know how to show you that moment but you know, YouTube it if you, if you haven't it. seen Nacho Libre, I'm confused because it's a... It's a yeah, movie. just stop your life right now. Amazon it. Get it. Watch it. All right. So if you're a sand writer, you get to choose where you get you want to go. So Paul says, so why am I choosing des- where we're going to go? we well, get choose the destination. That is the way, Stilgar says.
1: Okay. Is this another thing that Star Wars has stolen from Doom? This is the way. This is the way.
0: This Probably. is the way. I am Fremen born this day in the Habanya Urg. I have no life before this day. I was a child until this day. You know, you know Paul's doing his thing and still goes like, well, you weren't quite a child. I mean, like, not a child, but. I mean, you bested a bunch of good people and trained us in the weirding way. Not quite a child, but okay, I see where you're coming from. He, and then Stilgar fastens the corner of his hood because the wind keeps whipping it because they're moving pretty fast. on Shah Shahalud here. But there was a cork sealing off my world, and that cork has been pulled, Paul says. There is no cork, Stilgar agrees. So Paul wants to go south, Right? He wants to make the 20-thumper journey to the women and the children. Now, I'm going to bring up um, – let's see. We got a, we got an email from Jacob again, who we read at the beginning of the podcast. What? I, think, I know. He says, uh, I think that a thumper distance is referring to the distance that the vibrations are heard through the sand via the thumper. Like a worm can hear a thumper. 10 kilometers away so 20 thumpers would be like 200 kilometers
1: oh i assumed it was like it will take you 20 thumpers to call 20 worms to get as far as you need to go
0: that's what i thought too but uh yeah 20 thumper journey it's far because yeah once once you ride the worm however big the worm is until it stops, and then you gotta get off, and it like sits there and rests, and then you gotta call another one with another thumper, and then go forward. It could probably—I don't, I don't know exactly how far this, but that was just—it's again. Jacobs read the series more than I have, so right. We listen to it. People who are smarter than us, sure.
1: And uh, maybe one of our Canadian listeners or anyone outside of America can tell us how
0: far 200 kilometers is. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I don't want to do the math in my head right now. and <laughs> That's what's happening. So all all Paul wants to do is rest. He wants to go to the southern stretches with the women and the children and learn how to control this freaking prescient inner eye because it's yeah. annoying. He, he, he doesn't know where he is half the time. And I'm sure anytime time he takes a meal, it's just like a trip and a half. So he's like, oh, I just need to figure this
1: out. Dude, what if every time you ate food, you were just like,
0: boing, 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 like, like tripping? Oh, my gosh. That I've would st- be deeply I stop- uncomfortable. I would stop eating mushrooms. It would be-, <laughs> be that simple. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine every time you ate mushrooms, they were just magic mushrooms. and you just trip every time. That would be too much. I would be- I would- no one would get anything done. N- no one should be driving. At all. (laughs) Or riding any worms at that point. But, all right. So he wants to go south, but his men are anxious, right? They want to go on a raid. They want to kill some Harkonnens with the now fully Fremen Muhadib.
1: Right. We just talked about this in the last episode. They have all these plans of how things should be for Paul. But Paul's like, I'm just
0: trying to chill out and drink some spice coffee and hang out and freaking. I mean, remember when he saw he had a in the Water of Life episode, right where he takes the spice and he like sees the future, and and Chani sees it too. It's like it's just nothing but war, except that small quiet of a time where him and Chani get to hang out in the CH and just feel each other and other things. And that's what he wants to get back to. He wants to get back to that peaceful moment. He doesn't want the future to come with all the violence. Come on, let's go back to the sietch, Chani, and just do nothing. But So Paul says his death commandos have raided with him before and they will again. Let's just not do it now. Stilgar gets caught thinking if Paul doesn't want to raid and he's fully Fremen, what do you think his next move will be? The next move will be to call the Council of Elders and take command from Stilgar, which is what Tharthar in the last chapter had alluded to. So... Paul says, all I want to do is nap. I just want to go nap for a while. And Stilgar is now thinking that Paul is thinking that he wants to be, kill him, assassinate him somehow in front of the Council of Elders. So there's this awkward tension between the two of them, this awkward silence. Right. Which makes Paul think that Stilgar is probably thinking that he wants to get, Paul Paul's going to call him out. and Because he's heard the reports of the young Fremen, who are now anxious and rambunctious and want him to get called out. But Stilgar, being the adult in the room, makes the first move. He asks the question, does Paul, Uso, do you want to call out the council of leaders? And everyone else hears this on the worm. And then the young men start to get giddy and excited. If they're not going to go raid and kill Harkonas, the next best thing is that Muhadid becomes the leader of all the Fremen. But Paul brushes the question away. You cannot guess what I want. He's trying to keep calm in the situation, and Paul keeps saying, I just want to go south. So Stilgar takes control. He makes up his mind. If Paul will not call the council of leaders, he will do it. For Stilgar, this is the right thing to do for the tribe. There will be a gathering. I will send messages. And this reminds me of the quote, the opening quote, in this chapter where they talk about like, In an Orthodox religion, you go one of two ways. You go corrupt to keep your power, or you die for the Orthodox ethic. And that's what Still is doing here. He's about to die in order to keep, to prop up the religion, to keep order. And of course, Evan rolls his eyes, as probably Paul does too. (laughs) Because isn't there a third way? (laughs) I know. There's got to be another way here. (sighs) Paul says nothing. He's only thinking how stupid this would be. (laughs) Paul is literally trying to prevent this coming jihad from happening, right? And if he if that can be helped, he will not call out Stilgar, and he doesn't want to kill Stilgar. Killing Stilgar is a complete waste. Right. Bad move. All right. Bad move. So if maybe if he cannot kill Stilgar, maybe he can cut off the jihad from happening. All what's right? this? nothing else has worked. If we, you know, we have to do something different than the norm. If we continue to do the norm, the jihad's gonna happen. We have to do something different. Right. We'll camp for the evening meal and prayer at the cave of birds, Stilgar said, steadying himself with one hook. So Paul looks at the cliff in, cliffs in front of him. There's no green, no blossom, yet it stretched that way all the way to the southern desert. And they could, be, they could make it in at least 10 days and nights if they had good thumpers. And they could goad the makers well. The way led far beyond the Harkonnen patrols. The, he knew how it would be. The dreams had shown him. One day, as they went, there'd be a faint change of color on the far horizon. At the slight change, there might feel, he imagined, a way out. This would be a new CH. Does my decision suit Muhadib? Stilgar asked, only with a faintest touch of sarcasm in his voice. Because he knew that going to the Cave of Birds would mean that Stilgar would be able to get the message out to call the Council of Leaders and all that stuff. And again, Paul just wants to go straight there. Stilgar heard me swear my loyalty to him when he consecrated the Fadikin, Paul said. My death commandos know I spoke with honor. Does Stilgar doubt that? So now they're like baiting each other back and forth. Right, because everyone heard the sarcasm in his voice just now. Right. And this time, everyone heard the pain in Paul's voice. Like, yo, I trusted you. Why are you doing this? why are you being salty right now dude i know that you killed your mentor to become leader but we don't have to do that <laughs> that's what paul is saying imagine that usul the companion of my ch him i would never doubt silgar said but you are paul muhadib the atreides duke and you are the wazan el Gayib, the voice of the outer world these men i do not know paul turned away to watch Um, the Habana Ridge, climb out of the desert. The maker beneath them still felt strong and willing. It would carry them almost twice the distance of any other Fremen experience. He knew that. There'd be nothing outside the stories told to children that could match this old man of the desert. This was the stuff of legend. Which, I mean, in the last Paul chapter, he said anything you do now will become legend. So this is just one of those things. They just happened to be the biggest sandworm around.
1: Right, which seems kind of like a pity. Like, this is the biggest one we've ever seen. Why wouldn't we see, like, how far it can go totally, you know? Like, oh, you really want to stop right there? Like, that sucks.
0: So, Stilgar then puts his arm on Paul's shoulder again and says, The one who led Tabar sketch before me, he was my friend. We shared dangers. He owed me his life many times, and I owed him mine. I'm your friend, Stilgar, Paul said. No man doubts it, Stilgar said. He removed his hand and shrugged. It is the way. It's just the way things happen. Paul saw that Stilgar was too immersed in the Fremen way to consider any other possibility. Here, a leader took the reins from the dead hands of his predecessor, and he slew among the strongest of the tribe if the leader died in desert. Stilgar had risen to be a naive this way. So... Okay. You know how Howitt was talking to the Baron, how um, by the Harkonnens killing, all of the weak ones are only making the Fremen stronger? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is the opposite of that, where the, <laughs> the best of the Fremen just kill each other in order to, to prove their supremacy. Right, which is also not helpful. Right. This is, they're, they're both looking at it going, this is stranger thinking. They both don't understand the other person. So Paul's like, we should just leave this maker in the deep sand. Yes, we can walk to the cave from there. We've ridden him far enough that he'll bury himself in the sulk for a day or two, Paul said. So, but then they hear something. And they can see it. A distant rhythmic flashing stood out in sharp contrast in the sky, an ornithopter. Yikes! It's a small one. It could be a scout. Do you think they've seen us, Paul said. At this distance, we're just a worm on the surface. So they don't see all the Fremen on the worm at this point. It's just this giant worm going through the desert. But Stilgar makes a motion with his left hand. He goes off, scatter into the sand. So the troop began to work itself down the worm's sides blending into the sand with their cloaks. Paul, of course, marked where Chani had dropped off. Then he got off. No, Stilgar was about, he was about to get off, but Stilgar remained. But Paul said, first up, last off. This is the way. Nice. So Stilgar nodded, dropped down, and then Paul jumped down. He freed the goads and the hooks, and the big worm began to burrow into the sand. Paul then ran back along the broad surface, judged the moment carefully, and leaped off. All right, let's just talk about this moment. So he takes takes the maker hooks out. Then the worm goes, oh, I'm free, and starts to bury himself. And while he's burying himself, Paul is running down the back until he's about right at the level and then just hops off, just casually.
1: Which is just like the most epic hollywood michael bay crap i've ever heard in my entire life you know like like he's running up this worm
0: that's like chomping into the ground yeah and he just jumps off cash right all the sand everywhere and then he probably hits the ground throws his cloak over him just becomes a dude so sick he heard the beat of the thopter's wings before he could see it there was a whisper of jet pods that came over his patch of sand, turned into a broad arc towards a ridge. This her is isn't marked. A bird cry sounded over the desert, and another. That's the Fremen talking to each other. Paul shook himself free of the sand, climbed to the dune top. So he climbs to the top, and he looks out, and you can probably see these little heads, like, popping up. All around. Just, just little Fremen heads. hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> Yes. He <laughs> he wrecked first. Found Johnny. Then he found Stilgar. Stilgar signaled towards the ridge. They gathered him again a sandwalk, gliding over the, sur- the surface in a broken rhythm, to disturb nothing. Stilgar paced himself behind Paul. Right. So Paul's in front, and Stilgar's just looking at him. It's a smuggler craft, Stilgar said. So it seemed, Paul said. But this is deep in the desert for smugglers. They've had their difficulties with the Harkonnen patrols, too. If they come this deep, Paul says, they'll go deeper. Hmm. So they know what they're doing out there, right? They're trying to find some spice. They're trying to get some spice. Right. So Paul's like, let's lay a trap. Let's spread out some spice real thin over the surface so they'll see it, and then we'll capture them when they move down. Yeah. Get them! Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's bait a patch of sand and catch some smugglers. They should be taught. This is our land. Our men need practice with their new weapons. What? And then Stilgar says, "Ooh, now Ursul speaks. Mm, Usel thinks Fremen."
1: <laughs> turns into a caveman.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <and> probably, <laughs> Primal instinct. Let's take some people out. Never forgive. Never forget, Evan. Come on. (laughs) Let's take them. But Paul then thinks to himself, but Uso must give way to decisions that match a terrible purpose. And then he knows a storm was gathering. Yeah, so... There it is. Paul is now a full Fremen. All he wants to do is stop the jihad. All he wants to do is just chill with his his woman. God is like, just hang out. But you know what? These other things are getting in the way. His friends are trying to make him kill them. (laughs) (laughs) What a uh, weird problem to have. Yeah, what's going on? And of course, he's like, all of you are doing all these things. And I just, I know there's something happening. And there's this terrible purpose rising within me that I'm trying to calm and stop. But everything I do just gets underneath. So, yes, we are now Sand Riders, Evan. How do you feel about it?
1: Woo! Pretty good. Feel, feel great uh still interested to see what hooks look like um but yeah i mean i'm I'm having the same problem that i was having in the last chapter which is like everyone's being so like this this is the way it must be this is how it this is how it goes and paul's sitting there like yeah but like what if it wasn't and, and nobody seems to get it and it seems like the best solution to everyone's problems, but I don't know.
0: This is the way it's just, it's just, this is the way it's always been. And here we are, like, why are we doing it this way?
1: Right. But even, even if we're being tongue in cheek and talking about the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian himself is like, at some point figuring out like, wait shoot dude is this the way you know right. like yeah is this what i have to do all the time
0: always like eesh. so i don't know i know i think you hit the nail on the head with like uh as even Hera said in the last chapter like things have changed before they can change again this just may be a, a moment where it could happen right could it happen here I mean, they have their, the Fremen have their orthodox way of doing things that's just getting in the way right now. Yeah. It's always, yeah. And this is where we at Kynes had to like train them into how to think differently about their surroundings and the environment. And maybe Paul is here to become that hero to maybe switch some things up again. We can only hope. So, well, oh, yes. So uh, thank you very much for listening in. Follow us on Twitter at uh, Reading Dune. We're like almost at like five hundred people. I know that's not a lot, but that's I mean, when I started this, it was just me and Evan. So that's true. And I and I made Evan do this because I wanted somebody to talk about Dune with. Just us talking to nobody. So. so thank you so much for listening and going this far we only have a few more chapters left and then we are coming up to the conclusion of dune paul is now full fremen what will he do will he stop the jihad will the terrible purpose come up and how will baron harkonnen die stay spicy my friends we'll see you next time peace